Well, good afternoon, everybody. Deacon Dave here in the house. I, 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 paid, uh, I paid Sherry a lot of money so she would go to New York and let me preach. <laughs> Only kidding. She, uh, she deserves a break, and, and I, I hope she's having a, having a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, as we divvied up today who was going to do what, I said, well, I'll, I'll do the baptism. And Thomas said, no, I, I have that. And, and then uh, I said, to, well, I can, I can do the children's sermon. And Paul said, no, I, I have that. And so I've got the regular sermon. So here we go. Last week, if you were here, we started our series on the 23rd Psalm, and it was predicated on a book that one of our very own Austinites, uh, Bob Lively, wrote about the 23rd Psalm. And he's going to be here uh, in June, actually doing uh, Sunday services, I think June 6th, that may be the date. But stay tuned, he will be here actually speaking before us. So uh, we started his series here, and we have it. We started this series here, and last week we started with the 23rd Psalm, and Pastor Sherry and I came last Saturday, sat in the back just to make sure I got this right. She started with verse 1. Good place to start, and she had us all read together. So as we get into the Spirit, and as we focus and center ourselves, let us recall and let us read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what she talked about last week when she opened the series was the word Lord. She emphasized what the Lord is. The Lord is the Almighty, all-powerful. God, uh, Paul talked about it in his prayer today. The Lord is beyond everything that we can realize. He is the all-powerful and almighty. She painted the imagery of the shepherd. Now this was written by King David in we don't know if he was young or old when he wrote it, but many people think he was older and recalling his younger days as a shepherd. And that he was sort of recalling and looking back on his life to times of comfort and strength. And he was a sheep herder, and that sheep herder often herded the sheep from behind. And He's with us always, just as God is with us always. So God is with us 24-7, each and every day of the week, in good weather and in bad. And there is always an infinite connection. Because He is my shepherd when I am young, when I am old, and always. So as we go on this week, We remember that we are His sheep and that He guides us. That we are really to follow that guidance. The second part of that first verse last week was, I shall not want. And that is because we belong to Him. And He is all that we need. Sherry also taught us that we must surrender. Surrender our want, and we must be willing to trust God and to realize that no matter what happens, we are still held in His fullness. Like Jesus holding the sheep. 
So this week we continue and we explore the next two lines. And the next two lines are here. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So let us pray. Gracious and loving God, in this time and in this message, fill my heart with your spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, acceptable to you. For Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. So in this, this week, in this verse, I want you to remember three things. Break it down very simply. He makes me lie down. He leads me, and He restores my soul. Lively in his book talks about this, and the Psalms are prayers. The Psalms are something that you can always pray. Whenever you don't know what to pray or how to pray, search the Psalms. It's an easy thing to pray. And Lively talks about in here that the, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm states that each act is a distinct function of prayer which is tied to the act of surrender. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't do well with that word surrender. Some of us actually shudder at the use of that word, especially if we're born in the West, in Western culture, or even better if we are in Texas, because in Texas we don't surrender to anything. We don't embrace the idea of surrender, and we choose to live our lives as if we, we are the ones that control our destiny. But in the psalm and in our prayers, we must remember that God is not suggesting or inviting us to lie down. No, He states boldly, He makes me lie down. So what does that mean? Well, all of us at one time or another have been asked to lie down. My granddaughter Jenna is here today, and this is real growth because she came up for the children's sermon today. Thank God Carol was here with her, but she came up. And, and Jenna is an independent three-and-a-half-year-old and my favorite granddaughter with a J in her name. And I know that her mother or grandmother make her lie down, and often she fights this tooth and nail until she finally succumbs. Full disclosure, truth be known, I never make her lie down. I'm the fun grandparent. And we play nonstop until she gets cranky. Then I leave her with her mother, I get in the car, and go back to Round Rock. But the reality is, however, when she does lie down, and when she does take that rest, and she does take that nap, she's refreshed. And it's for her own well-being. So we look at the imagery of the green pasture. Now this can also apply to older folks like me who tend to want to take a nap or a siesta. Perhaps on a Sunday afternoon that might be the best thing that I can do in between double headers of a Yankee game or something like that. But we've all had to lie down at one time or another in our life and perhaps gather ourselves. And lying down 
to gather ourselves often comes in the form of a timeout. Think about a basketball team. If you're watching a basketball game and it's to and fro and it's nip and tuck and it's a close game, there's not many timeouts. But if one team gets ahead of steam and gets a run, first thing that coach does is call a timeout. First thing that coach does is call a timeout. We've got to stop this right now. Well, I'm here to suggest that sometimes God calls us to lie down and take a timeout. And I'm also here to tell you that it usually occurs after a major crisis. Bless you. That's the way it's been for me in a major crisis. Perhaps some of you as well. See, God's given us that gift of free will. And free will has gotten me in more trouble than you can imagine. It's with that free will that I've made some very foolish decisions which I made because I thought I could function and I was in charge of my own destiny and I could function on my own and without God. Oh, there was that condominium I bought on Lake Travis, purchased uh, just before the drought when Lake Travis turned into a puddle, and the developer went bankrupt. See, I envisioned the ultimate flip. I was going to make money just like I saw on TV. You know, I was a successful businessman. I knew best. Wrong. First thing that I want to tell you is that decision was made without any conference with God or with my wife. Both of those are problems. Without any prayer, no thought of surrender, we were considering today in our discussion, I went ahead. And it was only after the bankruptcy... And only after the $150,000 that I took or we took in a financial hit did I realize that God, my shepherd, was calling me to lie down in green pastures and to take a time out to reflect on the events, where I was, what led to this mess, and to refocus. Now, my prayers certainly changed then during that bankruptcy. It changed from the uh, two very sincere and heartfelt pleas for help as opposed to just the simple rote responses that I typically prayed for. I was sincere then. I was really in trouble and I needed help. Perhaps you have your own story of when God was calling you to a time out. Perhaps it was when you lost a job or lost a loved one or if marriage failed. Remember that God isn't causing our pain, but He's using it as a tool, a tool to get our attention. Now the good news is it's in a green pasture that He leads us. Addiction is another example. During the week, the bishop appoints me to the hospital, and I am a chaplain, and I deal with a lot of addiction in the hospital. It opens my eyes every week. Heroin addiction, meth addiction, alcohol addiction. And, you know, addiction is another example that in virtually all 12-step programs, the first step is to admit that you're powerless and you need help. 
and that you need to turn to a power that's greater than ourselves. See, God could restore us. And every recovered addict that I've ever dealt with, myself included, I'm an alcoholic and I've been sober for 33 years. Every addict in retrospect admitted that these two steps were examples of being made to lie down in the green pasture. You know, I I was so good at being an addict that after curbing the addiction for alcohol, I then went to smoking. And then after I cured that one, after I cured smoking, then I went to eating and got up to 306 pounds. Okay, so I understand what addiction's all about. Maybe that's why in my ministry at the hospital, I have a special place in my heart for those people that come in with an addiction. But the truth remains that anybody that's trying to overcome that, whatever the addiction may be, must lie down and surrender to God. And as we surrender, surrender to God and lay down in that pasture, we realize that He's put us beside still waters. There's not a ripple in that water up there. There's no rapids. There's no waves. There's no noise. Ah, but that's the problem. You know, that's a tranquil place, but in our world, we have nothing but noise. We're plugged in, plugged on, plugged up, plugged in. We've got white noise, loud noise, traffic noise. Cell phones going off. We can't leave it alone. That's noise. But the reality is that the next line says, Be still and know that I am God. Go to Psalm 46. I think the person that wrote Psalm 46 also might have written the word Psalm 23. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations and I am exalted in the earth. See, the problem is that the noise in our work and our world pulls us away from God. And God, our shepherd, knows that to be able to center ourselves into real prayer, we need silence. They're speaking and revealing to us that God's language is silence. Silence, much like surrender, is another thing that doesn't come easy. Most of us like to talk. Most of us like to hear ourselves talk. Matter of fact, studies show that 75% of what we remember from a conversation is what we indeed said ourselves, not what the other person said. That's true. That's what the studies show. So think about that in your prayer life. If all you remember is what you said, all you're ever going to come away with is, did I sound good? Was I eloquent in my speech? Do you think God heard me? But the fact is, with prayer, we need to learn to be silent. And we need to learn to listen for God to talk to us. We must be learned to be silent in that pasture, beside the still waters. You know, they're serene. Still waters are serene. Serene. What a beautiful picture that is. It reminds me of our time in the ocean, at the ocean. You know, when, when we go to, every summer we always go somewhere where there's a body of water. Whether it's Port Aransas, 
or whether it's the Rhode Island shore or whatever. And I have fond memories when I think about my family and those trips to the ocean. We have gotten married at the ocean. We have renewed vows at the ocean. We've had lobster races at the ocean. But really resonates with me is that quiet time at the ocean that that body of water seems to be able to allow me to cut out the noise and to calm down. It's sitting there and looking over the water when the sun is going down. Or better yet, sitting on the beach and watching over the water as the sun comes up. Lively says in his book that he believes that prayer is 99% listening and 1% speaking to God. So I'm here to tell you today, you've got to learn and work on that silence. You need to take that time and carve it out. To shut the world out when you go and do your prayers. Bible studies are good. Daily devotionals are good. I'm not suggesting you don't do those. But to really pray with God. You need to be still and learn to listen. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Every time we recite it. We recite it every day. We recited it today. You know, Jesus taught us that prayer. It's efficient. We honor God when we say it. We say, hallowed be thy name. We petition our daily needs. Give us our daily bread. We seek forgiveness and say, forgive us our trespasses. We ask for guidance and say, lead us not into temptation. But to go beyond this into deep prayer, it must always include silence. In order for us to let go and to let God speak to us. It's simply impossible to listen to God if you are distracted. I had the pleasure of doing a walk to Emmaus a few weeks ago. My brother Paul was with me on that. We served on the team. And when we open up that first night on the walk to Emmaus, we have some opening activities. And then we go into shutdown silence. The participants in the program, the team in the program, and there is no talking until the next morning when we start the day with worship. Try it. I suggest you try it. Shut it all down and see how you can do. See if you can go from 9 o'clock tonight till tomorrow morning without talking. Hearing God as opposed to chatting with God leads us to the last line in this reading this week. He restores our soul. He restores my soul. Well, what is the soul? What is the soul? Soul, the soul of our souls, are how we're connected to God. And how we're connected to God always. The soul in Lively's words is the invisible link that binds us to the mystery. Let us look at Scripture to further illustrate the restoration. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth, 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the thought I want to leave you with today is that if you can engage and do some of these things that we talked about, all you have to remember about this part is to look at life from God's perspective. God's perspective says, He makes me lie down. And that will provide you with rest. The next thing is reflection. As you lie down, God wants you to look at things from His perspective instead of your perspective. He leads me beside still waters. And restore my soul is simply replenishment. And if you do those things, you will be replenished. It's being restored in order to have the energy to live with God and walk with God in the future. Let us pray. God Almighty, we leave this sanctuary with the intent to be closer with You, to carve out the time and to lie down in order to be in relationship with You. Let us be quiet. Let us hear Your small voice. Let us reflect on Your words and our purpose. Restore us and provide the energy needed to live as we should with the assurance of Your presence here and now and forever. Amen.